0: know it's almost like people who don't drink is like a minority and when it comes to minorities minorities are the people or the groups that need to have a voice what's wrong
1: with you they'd use that word mm-hmm. and they wouldn't ask the right questions right
0: hey everyone thanks for tuning in to fitting in where do we belong i'm karina ann How am I going to date so perfect? Oh my god. And I'm Melissa. He
1: gave me the weirdest look and I was like, I... Just give me my club soda.
0: This is a thought-provoking podcast on the idiosyncrasies of life without
1: booze. So grab a seltzer because stigma happens and we're diving into the stuff that still no one's talking about. Buckle up. We're smart,
0: sassy, and unfiltered, inviting you into our most intimate conversations. Let's get into
1: it. Okay, so... Cheers to our little. Cheers to our first rough draft. Podcast. Our first rough draft. I know. Hey, podcast rough draft. It's good to record everything. Exactly.
0: So. So how did we get here? Let's talk about how we met. Oh yeah. So actually, well, the first time we met was on a hike. That yeah. But then the first time we actually spoke was when we went to that hippy dippy party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then I was like, did you give them your phone number? And you were like, yeah. And I was like,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> oh, but they, because they group text us. That's how I, I knew
1: you were going. Well, to. And
0: then I asked who everyone was on there so I could figure out what your number was. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, who all is on here?
1: So it was the hike, but it was also the hippie dippy party where we got to hang out and stuff.
0: So we met on a hike for the Phoenix. And then we were like, we're two sober like badass chicks, let's go do sober things. And then mm-hmm. we're just running around doing things that drunk people do but doing it sober <laughs> yes at first you were like we were talking about playing music somewhere and you were like even yeah. if it's at a bar like I don't even care if it's in a bar and I was like neither do I like this sober person is like pretty cool she's not like afraid she's gonna start drinking the first second that she sees something alcoholic yeah so then we we just started hanging out after that going to bars
1: <laughs> yeah our our friendship blossomed because we were similar we liked to obviously go out and see music and experience nightlife and honestly just, like, mingle with fun people, but in, like, such a healthier way that you can really be selective.
0: And we didn't even have to make it a big deal about the fact that we weren't drinking. People didn't know that we weren't, really. Yeah. Except for that one time. (laughs) The
1: British guys? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When the British guys started drinking your beer it was an n.a. Coors so it tasted like how disgusting
0: yeah I feel like I have n.a. beer snobbery now like I know but (laughs) back when I used to drink I was like oh that's nasty beer like
1: (laughs) well we have like a local brewery with us so now we're like finding all of the great spots to hang and like enjoy non-alcoholic beers
0: and that leads me to basically the topic Like the purpose of this podcast is which it which is to get out the idea that people who happen to not drink, whether they're sober, whether they're in recovery, whether they just don't drink because they don't want to or because of religious purposes or health issues like lots and lots of people don't drink and it just doesn't have to be a thing that you don't drink somewhere along the lines i don't know maybe after prohibition everyone was like woo, we need to infuse alcohol in everything yeah there is it just became normal for everyone to drink all the time
1: like and what made it so normal for especially in america for people to drink so heavily because people in europe don't sit there and take shots all night and try to like go from 0 to 60 it's very true it's like interesting to like figure out all of like what is mainstream. Okay, when did that start becoming was it normal way before that?
0: Yeah, you know, I bet if we did a little research, we could find some sort of links between the style of drinking. It's like a part of our culture. It's like a it's like a construct that we have made the norm in our culture.
1: Well, I'm not afraid to go to bars because I've been in therapy and you have to like at work through what triggers you and I'm like I actually remember being at an open mic at a place I used to bartend, so all my music friends were there, and this guy who had interviewed actually on the radio came up to me, and then he's like, can I buy you a drink? I was like, yeah, I'll take a club soda with lime, and he gave me the weirdest look, and I was like, I am not going to explain. Just give me my club soda. Well,
0: and, and why is that, though? Why would a guy look at you incredibly strange when you order a non-alcoholic beverage? Like, mm-hmm. why is it so
1: weird? Mm-hmm. That's the thing.
0: I think
1: most of the time the reaction is people respect it.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think people respect it, but I think also they're thinking in their head why, right? They're trying to figure out why you don't. Like, where did you mess up? What'd you do wrong? Why can't you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's this automatic assumption that people who don't drink have a problem or they can't Mm -hmm. have it because it's an issue.
1: Yeah, like no one would just, not like to drink but i actually know a lot of people like that true you very know very true and, and the, the other part is people you're reflecting something to them because a lot of people are like, yeah, I should really, I, I've been meaning to cut back, or, you know, I've done like a, a, a cleanse before and this and that. And they're bringing it up for a reason. I'm um, like, because you uh, drink a lot? <laughs> Is that why you do these so called cleanses? I
0: know, right? Like, okay, in what normal world do you put so much of something in your body that you wake up in the morning and think, man, I really need to detox? And no. not think that you shouldn't probably put that in
1: your body. <laughs> Right? <laughs> like, on a regular basis. I know. And, like, you p- do it in excess, and it's just, like, it doesn't take long for it to just be, like, poisonous.
0: Yeah. Even
1: uh, the smallest amount of alcohol is poison. hmm But it's everywhere. Like, you you know, it's at grocery stores. It's at the movie theater. It's, just...
0: it's at a baby shower. Like right. I mean, yeah. You show up to a baby shower and there's champagne. like I know. And the, even the person you're throwing the party for can't drink. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: It's so insane. Yeah, no, my sister-in-law told me that at her, like, my nephew's, like, first birthday party. Like, you know, like, your first kid and you maybe make a party out of it. But she was like, why does there have to be drinking and... People acting like it's a keg or at a four-year-old's birthday party. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It's like, true. That's it's true. But it is. And every celebration, it's like, well, this is a diaper keg now. <laughs> well, this is, you know, it's just like, can't we um, form new traditions around not sitting around and drinking? Right. I right. mean, uh, I'm from an area that it's just, it's a huge part of the culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too.
1: So... Okay that too
0: yeah so i'm from oregon a town of 1700 people it's a farm town there's not a lot to do there are probably three or four bars in the town which if you think about it is a lot considering we only have 1700 people in that whole oh town oh my gosh we have like three or four bars and that is the thing to do mm mm-hmm. there, they're you know spend time with your family and Cut the crops,
1: whatever. <laughs> Cut the crops. Yeah, <laughs> people did hoe things <laughs> and then hoe it up at the bar. <laughs> that sounds true. that sounds
0: familiar. So, like, in a bigger city, I mean, what's the difference? In a bigger city, there's a lot more culture. There's live music. There are, like, art exhibits. There's so much more going on. Mm-hmm. There are more things that are alternative to drinking going on. So what do we do? We create a beer garden within yeah. <laughs> within those events, which is a little bit better. But, like, we were talking about the other day, why don't we get our own, like, beer garden? I don't know what I would call it. The, the NA garden? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah or the just the flower
0: garden the flower garden
1: <laughs> yeah because we'd be drinking a lot of herbal stuff right um, I just picture us prancing around like nah, nah, nah. <laughs> in our fucking flower garden and the other beer tents would be jealous they would be you know because we
0: we'd have all the pretty people who have nice skin <laughs> it's not like sweating profusely of alcohol
1: yeah or <laughs> spitting when they talk <laughs> constantly yeah
0: or getting way up in your face with their hands all over or or should we get started on drunk women or we should leave them alone for a minute
1: (laughs) yeah because we're we're not against drinking we're We're not we're
0: not against women
1: and i'm not against anything
0: i guess the whole point of this show is just to talk about something that would be an awesome addition i've been talking as we've been as we've been kind of running over this with some friends and 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 they're like Yeah, you know, my friend Dylan related this to, like, smoking. Mm. He was like, people used to smoke, you know, all together, and then they had to separate the smokers separately. And he was like, when they banned smoking, it was almost like a beautiful thing, because then all the non-smokers and the smokers all had to hang out. And it was like, people who never hung out with each other before were all of a sudden mingling. Hmm.
1: Like, if you apply
0: that concept to the drinking concept, it Mm -hmm. would be like, if you put... If you put the non-drinkers with the drinkers, then we're all mingling too.
1: Yeah, because it's not like people who are out at a bar to mingle and drink. They're not getting wild and out of hand. Yeah, it's not
0: everybody. Yeah. It's really not.
1: It's still like a good atmosphere to go be a part of. Who doesn't love live music or like going to visit their favorite restaurant Mm -hmm. or... Um, you know vacations like a lot of people who don't drink they I really hear people say like I like to have the option of like grabbing an O'Doul's or ordering something like that if I'm out in a big at a big work party or setting Mm -hmm. it just makes me feel like I have my thing and I'm cheersing and whatever and you know so many people like look down on that but yeah It's just, it's like having a Shirley Temple. You're not.
0: Right. You know, that's an interesting concept too, because some normal social drinking, alcohol is something that you have when you're out and you're, you're mingling and whatever. Mm -hmm. With the people who are drinking N.A., they're not necessarily sitting at home and throwing back 12 non-alcoholic beers all day either, but when they go out, they want to have something special, something different than they usually have. So it's a celebratory thing too. Mm -hmm. One might cause, you know, a loosening effect or, you know, buzz or intoxication depending on how much you drink and one doesn't but still and some people only go out and only have one beverage too
1: yeah so it's just like (laughs) it's it's just putting your putting the space creating the space out there whether it be at a beer garden like tent or an event a concert or like the you know the thing that you're volunteering for in utah yeah having that space just available because mm-hmm. then yeah you can mingle with everyone right and it doesn't even have to be a thing as long as you're not bothered by it exactly
0: yeah and and it's uh, some you know in the sober world they call it a safe space I kind of just like calling it a
1: space. They say that in the LGBTQ plus community, they call it safe space too. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about what our space.
0: What it would be called or how we want to identify that. But I mean, what's the purpose of the space? For me, I think the purpose is, you know, it's almost like people who don't drink is like a minority, Really, Mm -hmm. you know, and when it comes to minorities, minorities are the people or the groups that need. have a voice and need to be advocated for and need to that society need to consciously create a space for to acknowledge that they're a minority and then over time the the minority becomes the majority and it's not a thing anymore Mm -hmm. so really it's like our main agenda with this whole thing is to create the dialogue and create a space for the minority and eventually it isn't a Mm -hmm. minority yeah and if you look back in history there have been so many minorities who have evolved and over time and become Relatively or more so integrated into
1: mass society. So it's going to take just small little areas to yeah. start popping up and having those conversations. Yeah.
0: I think having the conversations, like I said, creating the dialogue, not being afraid to talk about it, not making it a weird thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I've gone through so many experiences, like I was alluding to before, where I tell people that I don't drink and it's almost like, oh, like they're sad for me.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's
0: not sad, though. Why are you sad? That too.
1: Uh Yeah. 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 It's not a sad thing. It's
0: about rewriting the narrative yeah. to to a celebration.
1: The society right now is like kind of in like a well we need this to mm-hmm. have this sort of experience. Right. Which is false. And what kind of experience is that even? I was
0: talking about how when I say that, like, if I say that I don't drink, a lot of times people are, like, sad for me, or they're like, oh, or they want to know what happened, like, it's as a result of some sort of trauma, and yeah. I'm in some, at some sad place. Uh-huh. And uh, that's, that's society's narrative, and I yes. think a major agenda of creating this dialogue is to shift the narrative Yes. to the reality, which... People would know if more people who don't drink spoke up and created dialogue and advocated and spoke for themselves. People who don't drink are really happy and are
1: celebrating and are living a beautiful, amazing life. And to other people who have that narrative in their mind, they also think, like, oh, that must be boring. Right. (laughs) And it's like, no, because I have so much time and you and I, like... Mm. We go out and spend our time, and we don't, you know, we drive from one place to the next and explore. And it's like our lives are like really abundant and more rewarding,
0: right, than before. Right. As we go on in this in this podcast, we'll we'll tell stories about the adventures that we have and the and the whatever. And we could spend yeah. a whole podcast talking about one night because we do so many, yeah, things like, and they're so funny. And we meet so many cool people. And the best thing is we remember it
1: (laughs) yeah i know it's fun remembering we went yeah we'll have to talk about our um swing dancing but like (laughs) that was a great night we're still people who like to go out and have fun Mm -hmm. and people are also intimidated that you can do it and not have to have a crutch yeah other people have to have that crutch people are like how do you go on first dates i'm like well, I don't know. I do something really nerdy, like I meditate and then take a <laughs> vitamin pill for my brain health. I don't know. But, I just kinda do it. Right. <laughs> so, you, it you was do. a
0: little bit weird at first and you know, I and I don't even want to say that anyone who has drinks on a first date needs to have a crush crutch. I can't well they need to have a crush, otherwise they don't have a date the first Day place. Better. Unless they're online dating and then they don't <laughs> uh, that's a whole other thing. Let's not do that. So anyways <laughs> uh, but like, I think it's really again. It goes back to how that's the norm. You know, that that was and the last thing that kept me from stopping drinking. I was like, oh my god, I'm single now. Like, how am I gonna date sober? Like, oh my god. And then I just did it, and I was like, oh, it's it's the, it's the same. It's the same. Except I make less stupid mistakes.
1: Yeah. You can tell right away if you're done. Yeah. You don't let it linger. Yeah,
0: I don't prolong the things
1: (laughs) because they're buying me drinks. Not that I've ever
0: done that. Right. Anymore.
1: (laughs) Let's hope. Like, oh, he's
0: buying me another club soda. This guy
1: is so awesome. And then it's like you feel guilty. You're like, God, I had two club sodas tonight. (laughs) I'm going to feel like (laughs) shit tomorrow. So changing that narrative and then it would be like we'll get into all of the other Narratives that kind of relate to it too.
0: Absolutely. Even having this conversation, there's so much that I can pick apart or that we can kind of reanalyze and reevaluate and research on mm-hmm. what we talked about so far. I feel like we just gave a brief synopsis of who we are and sort of some general thoughts and
1: I actually am a music education major so I've always done music education um, as part of my career no matter what I'm doing mm-hmm. so I have my whole vision of how I think like the world should change it's very similar to yours but That's you have true. a different eye
0: yeah so so I have a clinical background and I actually the funny thing is I actually started out as a as a musician I studied music therapy at ASU for my bachelor's degree so music, but also had that therapeutic aspect. And then I went on to get my master's in couples and family therapy and I'm finishing my di- dissertation for my doctorate in couples and family therapy with a focus on macro systems like community mental health and marginalized populations. Um, and now I work as a clinical director Still do performance stuff and music stuff on the side, but a lot of my work, a lot of my studies, and things that I've written are around the area of social justice and, um, you know, giving voice to those people who are oppressed. Um, so the way that I, I think the language that we use might be a little bit different, but in mm-hmm. general, we have a pretty similar idea.
1: Yeah, just because, like, I've been in public schools and see the way things are run. So that was like really eye-opening to me. There's just been like real-life experiences that we'll have to get into. But though, sure. I mean, though I've been in so many experiences where I'm like, the system is so backwards. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, I could
0: say that from the clinical perspective, too.
1: Mm-hmm. I loved the kids, but I hated the system.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later because there is a reason that I don't drink anymore. And that really does have to do with have you know struggling with things but before that I was working in big mental health agencies and then fell out of the industry mostly because I didn't I I was so sickened by it and I couldn't I couldn't understand how I fit into that world and then when I didn't fit into that world I didn't fit into any kind of world at all because I didn't know who I was without it Mm -hmm. and that's when things got crazy with drugs and alcohol and all of that and now fast forward and here I am a clinical director again, but there is, you know, there's been a progression of change in finding where I work and finding kind of my groove and finding my understanding and what I'm willing to accept and not accept in what's, uh, you know, what's acceptable in the industry of helping people, which also is a profit making industry.
1: Yes, it's, it's a lot um, of the language too, because, you know, a lot of the lingo needs to be changed. Mm-hmm how you talk to people, right? Because everyone was like, whatever issue I was struggling with, because I've had mental health stuff, like, my whole life, you know, people are like, what's wrong with you, they'd use that word. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't ask the right questions, right? No one was asking me the right questions. And it's really hard for me to open up and have a conversation with any kind of, it's like, you know, for a lot of people, they can't figure it out Mm -hmm. from, that, that point of view
0: again it's about creating dialogue you can kind of relate it to the more recent pre but mostly post COVID dialogue about mental health now it's normal for all of us to talk about like going to a therapy or talk about our mental health or whatever whatever, right not that long ago were we calling people senile and crazy and whatever and mm-hmm. if anything was struggling in any area of mental health it automatically meant they were like schizophrenic or bipolar mm-hmm. or something and a little while before before that we were locking everybody up in, 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 a, in an insane asylum whether yeah. or not they had an eating disorder or they had paranoid schizophrenia they were all the same people put in the same spot so they were categorized all in this one big lump so what we're trying to get out is that people who don't drink can't all be categorized in the same lump of of people, you know, like we all have different
1: kind of areas that we belong in or that we
0: identify with.
1: Well, yeah. And it's so funny that it hasn't changed much because there's everyone has been saying, oh, there's this huge stigma. There's this. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely... Still there. Right. We've identified, yeah. we get it. There's a stigma. But like, when, <laughs> right?
0: When do you move from like talking about the fact that there's a good, good job, smarty? There's a stigma. Like, where do you move from there's a stigma to let's talk about what it is and let's dissect that stigma and mm-hmm. destigmatize it?
1: Yeah. I know. It's that's time. What, yeah. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. Right. You know, let's destigmatize that. Thanks so much for tuning in to Fitting In, Where Do We Belong? I'm Melissa Green with Karina Chandler. We're now available on all podcast portals and be sure to follow us on Instagram so you stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Cheers.